We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Welcome back to the Tango Apolima Experience. I'm Jeff Daly of the Michigan Dailies. Hailing from our nation's capital is Ashley Marie Corbulosa Maldonado. How's you? How's me? Uh, I know I'm okay. I'm good. I'm well. I'm happy. All right. I haven't talked to you about any uh, uh, resolutions for the new year or anything yet. You got anything big? One big one? One awesome one? Ooh, um... I want to, well, continue with my, my mental health and wellness goals. So that includes exercising, um, cleaning up my diet for the exception of chicken wings, macaroni and cheese and beer, because those are staples and those cannot go anywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Health and wellness goals. Um, I think just being really more open-minded and like getting back towards some of my creativity. Um, I've really been using my, trying to remember how the left, left, brain right brain thing works but i have been you know in school for a really long time what you just asked yourself a right brain question did i yeah oh gosh so many things so needless to say i want to do some more creative stuff i want to get back into writing my book i want to get back into doing some more expression based things like singing and i don't know art and I don't know. Just those little things. I think those are just some personal goals for me. How about you? You sound more Californian than I do. I have one singular, I have one singular resolution. It comes from legendary coach of the Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh. And that is to attack every day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. That is all I'm going to do every single day. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be napping i'm gonna nap i'm like gonna nap to with the enthusiasm unknown to mankind if i have to yes wow yes well that's great take it take a nap for me because i definitely need one right now <laughs> i will do i will do that just for you but before you get to before you get all tie tie and go night night you have a story <laughs> you have a story to cover i i do have a story to cover so this is a very important story um, so the U.S. has announced that there's going to be $308 million in aid for Afghans in the crisis that's going on overseas. Ever since we've we've left, we've unfortunately left some allies. Folks are scrambling. And what a lot of people don't realize is that this country has, um, you know, been in a tailspin since the Taliban has took over. I think, you know, it's a no-brainer. We all know that. But nearly 80% of Afghans' previous previous government's budget came from international the international community. So that money is now cut off. So finance hospitals, schools, factories, government ministries are in complete and utter desperation for just basic necessities. So that would include, um, you know, healthcare shortages, drought, malnutrition, and things that have been exacerbated by COVID-19 pandemic. So there is a International Rescue Committee or Global Humanitarian Aid Organization and community health workers are and have been seeking support to see a sharp increase in the number uh, of children that are going through acute malnutrition in these different provinces and how can we help and continue to help 
um, Afghans as this crisis is, is going on. You know, it's a complete humanitarian crisis. So it's incredibly important to know that, um, you know, this, this, we have a, we have a social, like, and moral and ethical responsibility to these individuals, to this community and this country. But that's me personally, and I'll, I'll let you uh, share your thoughts, Jeff. Well, I heard, I heard 80% of what you said, and, uh, and I agree with it. I think there's some, there's some interesting levels to this that uh, make me think about some things. Number one is like you just said, we have, we have a responsibility. If we, if we export trauma through war, uh, we have, and we have, and we have allies that are left behind. We we need to take care of them. The the interesting twist to this is that we have to give money to a country governed by a government that we don't recognize, uh, and and that makes it super tricky. Now the the wording they're using is that they're sending it through humanitarian organizations, but they're still in a country controlled by people we don't recognize who, if it's happening in their country, I, I, I hope we have a way of ensuring that, that, these, that this humanitarian aid gets to its intended targets and, uh, and, doesn't, and doesn't come back to haunt us. It's, that's that's, my, that's my, my, my hope because I do have the fear that uh, the Taliban is going to find a way to siphon off some of these, some of this aid that we're sending there. And I, I hope that it's not true. Um, and I hope that I'm wrong because it only happens a couple of times a year. So I would hope that it would be about something like this. So, so do you have any, uh, do you have any other thoughts on this? I just, I, I was reading the article and I thought this was an interesting stat. It just says uh, the United Nations say that 22% of Afghanistan's uh, 38 million people are living in near famine and another 36% are facing acute food insecurity. So to your point, Jeff, for us sending all of these dollars over, how do we guarantee that that's not going to be, you know, being siphoned off by the Taliban? And how do we know that these individuals are going to be getting the resources? So that's, of course, like a, a forethought in my mind. How are we going to, how are we going to reach these individuals? Or how are we going to be really creative here overseas or here in the States to help those that are overseas? Because I know that there are individual efforts going on. There's a lot of nonprofits um, that are that are growing a lot um, tremendously, just providing basic resources all over the country. And I know that we have plenty of allies and such here who have made their way back. But also, we have folks who were Afghan-born who served in our our military, who may have served as interpreters or have family still there. So I think about those individuals and how there's this huge cost to this war. In, in, in life and livelihood and lifestyle. So very fascinating. Yep. And that we all continue to have situational awareness. I know mm -hmm. the media is not covering it as much, but us as, as individuals need to make sure that we're keeping up and uh, abreast of things that are happening in this community because it does affect us. It affects our long-term international relationships. All right. Well, we're not the only two that are, are affected by this, thinking about it, processing it, and having it affect our lives. Uh, today we're going to we're going to we're going to show an interview that we did in Orlando, the Student Veterans of America's hashtag NatCon2022, uh, with Michael Rod Rodriguez, who who is working on the Global War on Terrorism uh, uh, monument in Washington D.C. And he we we talk about some of these issues. They are not 
precisely this, but it's definitely related. And uh, he's he's coming up right after the break. So stay tuned and and hear that, and then we'll come back and talk about it. The American Legion is Veterans Strength in America. We're in your community, supporting veterans, service members, and their families, enriching the lives of young people and promoting citizenship and patriotism. Our members are passionate about these core values. Help strengthen America by joining the American Legion today. For more information, go to legion.org slash join. All right, and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Experience. We have a very special guest today. Today we're talking with Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation CEO and President Michael Rod Rodriguez. He is an outspoken advocate for veterans and their families and speaks often about strengthening the connections between civilian and military communities. He is a retired Special Forces Green Beret with 10 deployments who retired after 21 years of service. Rod comes from a proud military family. His grandfather served in World War II, his father in Vietnam, and his son is currently serving in the 82nd Airborne Armory. He is a member of the American Legion at large. Rod, welcome to the Tango Alpha Lima no, Experience. Hey, thank you for the invite. Super, super happy to join you guys. All right, so do you have any opening words you'd like to say? Like, did I cover everything? No, here? I mean, yeah, actually, you could have just introduced me. He's like, hey, we got Rod, another veteran, and that would <laughs> I would be totally cool with that, to be quite honest with you. All right, we have Rod, another veteran, and <laughs> Ashley has the first question. All right, so thank you for being here, and thank you for having just this amazing vision. And so in 2015, you founded the Global War on Terrorism Foundation, and I want to know a little bit more about the inspiration behind this movement and how you were able to kind of get your your feet underneath you and start the foundation and kind of bring us up to to where we're at now well sure so first of all i am not one of the founders so 2000 uh the foundation was founded in 2015 some like-minded veterans came together and then i ran into them in 2016 i was speaking at a at a at an event and uh, a veterans event and uh, they were there and they're like hey rod uh we need some help i'm like well who are you and what are you doing mm-hmm. and they're like hey we're trying to build a national war memorial in in washington dc most like the veter- vietnam wall and, and and such and i was like well of course well, what can i do we join our board i'm like exactly it, too easy so i you know i leaned forward in the foxhole with them and then uh got on the team early enough to where we could uh, we introduce our enabling legislation in 2017 which would allow us to do this because um there is a uh, federal law it's called commemorative works act of 1986 that states a war has to be over for a period of 10 years in order for a national war memorial to be built now this was written in 1986 which was kind of the knee-jerk reaction of the building of the very first national war memorial which is the vietnam wall in 1982. so there's no way they could have envisioned we'd be in this multi-generational conflict with no clearly forecasted end in sight. So in 2017, we, init- we uh, issued, you know, introduced a piece of legislation asking for an exemption from this federal law. Um, and it swept through the House and Senate in August of 2017. President Trump signed the National Global War on Terrorism uh, Memorial Act. And at that point, that was when us as the foundation became the only ones, we became the congressionally designated nonprofit tasked and authorized to do so. Um, so that's that's kind of the quick quick thing from, uh, that from, from founding to when I got involved to the initial passing, passing of our first, our first bill in 2017. It's such a compressed uh, length of time. Like <laughs> it's just like, I mean, looking at the World War II Memorial and how long it took for that to 
you know, come to full fruition. And now we're on the verge of, of having our own memorial in the National Mall. So that's incredible. It's yeah, incredible it's, work. It's a credit goes to everyone involved, really. is a lot of people. I mean, we're a super small uh, foundation. Uh, you know, we're, we believe in quality over quantity. You know, we, we really look for those high-performing individuals. And so pass, following the passage of the... Uh, the enabling legislation in 2017, that's when we're like, all right, here's this great idea that everyone supports. Oh, man, now we got to build the team, right? Now we got to get the people capable of doing so. And, and of course, everyone's got ideas on how to do this because we were doing something that was never, that has yet to, hasn't been done. You know, building a national war memorial to an act, an active war. You know, it's never been done before. And, if, and I think most people can understand. If you ever want to do something that's never been done before, get ready for everybody who's never done it to tell you how to do it right mm. so so what we did was we we built the team that you see on on uh, on our on our our uh, foundation today you know it's when i sought out those uh you know the, the board of directors and our advisors and created the ambassador class and uh, um of people that understand you know the 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 the, necess the necessity for this for this mission and and with the capability as well to to get it done Absolutely incredible. I uh, I know that there are some supporters, and I'm sure, of course, everyone is, is telling you exactly how to do it. You're <laughs> just trailblazing, you know. You've, this is an incredible military career. You know what it's like to lead, put yourself out in front, and take care of others, and you're continuing to do so, and I think that's incredible. It's just uh, definitely an undeserved honor and, and truly humbling, you know. It, and, uh, you know, I speak quietly, op quite openly about it, and it's absolutely terrifying, you know, when you look at the responsibility of of this foundation and what we do, and every everybody involved understands that. And, you know, it, even though it's our day-to-day -day within the staff and our volunteers, you know, you, it, it's never, uh, you know, there's always those reminders, you know, of why those those people are, are, are most... Uh, you know, um, our sacred families, you know, that are lo that have lost, that never had the opportunity to welcome their, you know, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters home, you know. So it's uh, it's definitely uh, humbling and terrifying at the same time. Humbling and terrifying. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was an award that was bestowed upon today yes investors of america yes so um yeah we're i'm still i'm sorry that was just a few minutes ago uh so i'm still kind of processing you know the uh significance of that so the the sva um um you know obviously we you know the, everyone knows the passing of one of our one of our heroes you know senator bob dole mm -hmm. and his continued service to this nation and, and the military veteran population as well as their families you know and he he um he passed, you know, the, the world is a lesser place, there's no doubt about it, uh, when he passed. So what SVA did was the team came together and, like, it's they wanted to create, you know, a continued service award, you know, an advocate award is pretty much what he did. And, uh, you know, he's, he's off, you know, given credit, rightly so, for, you know, ensuring that his generation was recognized by the building of World War II Memorial, you know, and he was found there many, many weeks, you know, welcoming those honor flights that, you know, I hope everybody gets an opportunity to go to one of those one someday. Um, so, yeah, they, they uh, you know, uh, you know, ambushed me and, uh, you know, uh, you know, they, they and, and I really appreciate them envisioning it is, uh, is they gave the award to the foundation because this is, you know, we try the best we can to be a faceless foundation. Um, and it belongs to the foundation because they're honoring the mission. It's not any one individual. So it's truly, again, another humbling experience. Uh, and albeit terrifying because now, like, oh, you got an award. You got to, you know, um, uh, it's, it's truly amazing. And, and, again, I'm still, forgive me for not being able to 
capture quite no, gracefully. No. Uh, it's it's definitely uh, still processing it. You know, I you know do the best I could not to cry, but you know sometimes you just gotta cry. Yeah. You gotta let it. You gotta, you gotta let, let, it let it go. Yes, sir. So uh, before we before we move on, I want to kind of follow up a little bit on what Ashley was talking about. When you're putting together this team, mm-hmm. uh, you have to get through the what we talked about early, the bureaucratic nonsense, the alphabet soups of commissions and whatever that you have to get through. But then there's then there's the creative side. Mm. And uh, can you talk about that? Were there fights? And is there, a, is there like a theme that we should be looking for when this gets built? Or, or, or did everybody just agree on one idea? So great. This, and actually, this is perfect timing for that question. So let me dip into the bureaucratic boredom, <laughs> right? So in the 24-step process, um, we are currently in steps 9 through 12, which is site selection. Now, we celebrated, celebrated a victory a couple of weeks ago with uh, and President Biden signed another bill for us into law called the uh, Global War on Terrorism Memorial Location Act. What this does is it provides us an exemption from a law that states that nothing can be built within the reserve. Now, for anyone who's ever been to Washington, D.C., people think about the mall, right? The mall is the grass here. That's kind of the reserve. If you were to look at where all the other war memorials are built, that's the reserve. And it requires an act of Congress. So President Biden just signed uh, an exemption for us to be built where we feel this belongs. Now, uh, I'm going to back up a bit on what, why, what, after passing of our Navy legislation, what led us to like, oh, let's, pa- let's introduce another bill because as an everyday average Joe, I don't want, I don't like, I just want to pass bills for, it's nothing easy, right? So it's like, uh, let's do it again. It was, it was a fun, not, not so much, right? Um, so past, following the passage of our enabling legislation, what we did as a foundation, even with the, the robust experience of the global war on terrorism that we have on the team, whether it's from the, from the border directors on down to our Gold Star families to didn't matter, but we 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 uh, this is this is the People's Memorial. Yes, this, we are in charge of it. We're the ones tasked with organizing and fundraising, but belongs to the people of America. So what we did was we embarked on discussion groups across the country, and we wanted we collected both qualitative and quantitative data. Um, you know, like what should they feel? This so we're going to the creative spot. What should they feel? What should it look like? Should there be shrubberies? Should there be hard space? Should there be a fountain? Do you want a flag? You know, and obviously I didn't do that. This we have a, a phenomenal architectural firm that understands this process. That's you know helped us get through it. Um, but I went to all the discussion groups, and we there are blind discussion groups. People will come in. They don't know what they're going to talk about, and we present this like, hey, uh, this effort's going on because you know we're very small. So a lot of people don't even know we're doing this. Um, so we got like. You just, you know, just people walking into a blind uh, discussion group and we collected all this data. And on top of the the data we collected, we also asked them, where do you think it should go? Because we knew in order to build within the reserve where all the other war memorials are, it would require an act of Congress. We knew that. You know, we do our homework. I understand the process. Is I, I get it. We know it. And we're respecting the process. We're not going around or we're completely transparent. We're just tell it. Give me your playbook. All right, Roger that. We'll, we'll make this happen. And that we told them, look, do you think it should be in the reserve or outside the reserve or mall, what people refer to? It's called Area 1. There's a Reserve, Area 1, Area 2. And that's kind of getting in the fabric of the city, right? <clears throat> um, normal rule is like you're going to Area 1. And now, you know, and I'll, I'll use an I statement here. You know, I don't think it belongs there. 
you know, I feel we the right place to honor those brave men and women who have served in our nation's longest war is alongside where we honor all of them. But this is, again, it's not the Rod Memorial. We want to ask people. So we conducted these discussion groups for about eight, nine months. We spoke with veterans. We spoke with active duty service members. Uh, Fort Bragg hosted us for three days. Um, we spoke with faith leaders. We spoke with... Uh, um, we, we found them, um, but we f- spoke with Americans that didn't know anybody that served and had no, no personal attachment because it's going into their nation's capital. We wanted their feedback. We spoke with academics. We, I mean, we spoke with as many different people from a broad range of demographics, anything we could think of. Um, then we synthesized the data. Uh, well, our architecture firm did. I want to take credit for everyone else's work. Uh, they synthesized the data and presented this report. I mean, I read all the reports. You know, it's all they hand jammed. They showed up. There's paper and pencil. All right, let's talk and write. And uh, overwhelmingly, it was, it was phenomenal. So from that broad, diverse group of people that we spoke to, they were almost all the same. And it was an incredibly impactful moment for me personally because you have all these people, these broad ranges of experiences where they're, you have, you know, families like mine where I serve, my, my son's still serving, my son's mother served for 21 years, so my son watched both his parents go to war, and he decided, you know what, I want to go to war too. You know, families like mine, families like yours, but then families that didn't even have any attention whatsoever, other than an inconvenience at the airport, right? Um, overwhelmingly, it, it, they all said the same thing, and the themes were the same, the way they wrote it, the way they expressed the desire and need to honor the brave men and women that served this nation was almost the same, and it was incredible. I'm trying not to cry for you guys right now. Uh, it was an incredibly emotional moment because that captured America. It captured who we are as a people. Well, yeah, we're a mix, but it was awesome. But they also all said, hey, we want it in the reserve. So at that point, we're like, all right, we received our charge, a charge you know, uh, we'll hold to, a charge we will keep. And then we're like, all right, I guess we've got to go back to Congress. <laughs> and that was uh, two and a half years ago, uh, almost three years ago. And, and we, here we are. The president signed it. Now we're going back into the next steps, which then we finally get to get into the design, right? Now we get to get all this qualitative data. What, do you, what should it feel like? The shrubberies, the fountains, the flag. And put that together with artists and we'll figure that out. So I, I do anticipate a great deal of, of disagreement, you know, and discussion. <laughs> Um, on where that is, but you know, my as a as an as a as a novice artist myself, I understand the only way we can capture our love because really this is going to be a tangible love note to our nation's warfighters and their families. That's what this will be, and the only way to capture that is with a piece of art. So it will there will be an artistic, and I don't mean abstract art like you, people think when they say art. They're like, oh, they're thinking you know, something weird or whatever, but no, it's going to be an expression of art because that's what those memorials and pretty much everything you find down in within the reserve is. So that's, that's, we'll get to that. And it's going to be, uh, I'm excited for it. We've already been talking with the NEA, National Army for the Arts. And again, I'm, I'm connected with the veteran, uh, veteran artistic community and other artists. So I'm super excited, but I, I can, I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussions and disagreements. You know, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. Yes. So, Okay, so we've done that, and let's kind of shift gears for a minute. Now, you've never been on the show. No, I have not. Podcast, no, but we've, we've I listen talk, to you guys. We've talked about you. Yes, yes, you did. And there, was, did. Some, there was some <laughs> nincompoop that uh, responded, no, not you. I don't know who else it would be. Uh, responded about this saying, words to the effect of, 
do we need this yet? The war's not even over. Right. Uh, kind of mirroring uh, the previous rule, right? Mm-hmm. That it, war needed to be over. And when you come across that from whoever might say such a thing, uh, how do you respond? How do you respond to that, and and why did this one, uh, why did this one inspire the need to get an exemption? Okay, sure. So I I don't you know I I hear a lot of of people you know the that are like well why you know the why right um, and it's it's our duty as Americans you know and we it it really is fulfilling our duty. You know, that's why I call it a tangible love note to those that step forward. But why now? Well, you know, we have never been in a position where sons and daughters have watched their mothers and fathers go to war. And then later on, those sons and daughters go fight the same enemy. I cannot imagine what it would have been like for my grandfather to watch my father. Hey, son, I love you. You got to go fight the Nazis. I can't imagine what it was like for my father to look at me and say, hey, Miko, I love you. Uh, you got to go fight the Viet Cong. But that's what I did with my son. You know, so if you look at the need today, it's it's overwhelming. If you look at the let's look, let's talk about percentages that have served in the war, right? <clears throat> During World War II, you have a plus or minus eleven percent that served. Of that, half actually served in theater, right? Let's go to Korea, seven percent. Let's go to Vietnam, four percent. We have a dwindling percentage of those brave women and men that are stepping forth. It means the weight is being carried by few. Now, I look at those numbers, and, and I don't think that's a decrease in patriotism. When I look at those numbers, I see strength. I see strength, in the, especially like right now, plus or minus 1% of the population has actually set foot on this battlefield that we've been on for over 20 years now. I look at that, and it's amazing to think that it only takes 1% of our population to defend the 99%. That speaks to the strength, resiliency, commitment, and love of country of those 1%. It's my duty to honor that 1%, albeit I am part of that 1%, but it is my duty. And if we don't do it now, when? I mean, what, what's the, when's the right time? You know, I mean, when my grandson was born in Womack Army Medical Center, I stood there, and I was the second or third one to get to hold him, right? So I, I hold him. I look to my left. Um, you know, there's my son. He had just, he got back from Afghanistan like three weeks prior to his birth. To the left of my son is his mother, who served for 21 years and deployed in a multitude of times. To the left of his mother is is the um, the other grandma, who is an Army veteran. To the left of his other grandma is, you know, the baby's aunt, who was getting ready to deploy to Afghanistan in three months. And then we get back around to, to Brandy, you know, my son's, uh, you know, the, the, the mother. And I, I'm holding my child, and I look at this circle of service, right? I don't know how to better capture that. Given, the, given this conflict, it is highly probable and possible, I hope I'm wrong, but that this little hombre that I'm holding that was born in the, the airborne hospital at Fort Bragg, who's got his little airborne beanie on because his, his dad's airborne, so they get special airborne beanies the babies do, could be serving in the same conflict. So when? And should he do it for me? I'll be dead by then. You know, it is our duty to do it now. What are we waiting for? That's my answer. Well, Rod, you're giving me all the feels. <laughs> all the feels. Well, here's wow. the thing: is like I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm not a, I'm just telling you guys what you already know. Really, I am. I'm, we're not selling snake oil. We're just telling everyone what they know and what they feel. And it's unfortunate for me to see my veteran community 
my familia, diminish their own service. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday, a gentleman you know very well, mm-hmm. and uh, it broke my heart because he was like, man, I've only, I haven't done this that much. I haven't, I've only been in this amount of years. And I'm like, gosh, dang, I was stop, man, stop, stop, stop diminishing your service. I love you for what you're doing. You're doing what I can't do right now. I love you for it, man. Don't diminish your service. So when that comment is made, 99% of the time, the individual that's saying that is, that's a veteran is diminishing their own service and it breaks my heart to hear. So that's the truth. Yeah, we hear it all the time with people who think they don't qualify for the American Legion. I'm not really a veteran, I've heard oh, people man. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, that's hard. If they, haven't, if they haven't been to combat, if they haven't right. uh, been shot. I've heard people, I've never <laughs> been, I don't have anything wrong with me. I'm not really a veteran. And it, and uh, mm. it just—it's a struggle with, first of all, the English language it, that we haven't gotten out there clearly. What is a veteran? Even though our our things say a veteran is a veteran is a veteran, right? Right. Uh, it's everywhere mm-hmm. in triplicate, and people don't really understand that. So uh, that kind of adds, that kind of adds even another layer of need to what you are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's honoring the war fighters. It's clearly defining to, I think I'm counting three generations of people that have been in this war thus far and count potentially and counting mm-hmm. and that all of them, all of them who served during the time of war are, are veterans. Mm-hmm. Anybody who served ever, they served. Is, ever mm-hmm. is a veteran. Uh, and that is to me, another powerful statement that I will probably put in my pocket to hear, to repeat when someone says that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, diminishing their service is the, the most apropos way that I can think of to say that, like, don't diminish your service because you're diminishing somebody else you don't even know that might hear you. Yes. And we already have we already have too many issues right? with not just mental health, self-esteem, uh, uh, guilt, yeah. People have guilt, and so I, I would say to whoever it was that you heard about that is questioning the timing of this thing, whoever that person might be, <laughs> that uh, I'm guessing they probably are reconsidering that. Yeah, that statement. I, I, I'd be willing to bet you're you're 100 right. You know, it is, but it's it it really like I really I I have nothing but love for 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 my veteran familia, you know, and people serve. So, you know, the most challenging deployment for me. We're not the 10 that I did. It was watching my son. Oh, so being left at home, you know, as a, as, a, as a family member, you know, that is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I would much rather go on patrol and, and, and head outside the wire to do what I did than know my loved ones doing it. I, I, it's, it is so hard. So one of the things we're doing that is different, you know, again, we're doing something that's never been done before. Outside of the fact we're building a war to an act, a world war to an act of war, um, we're honoring everybody that served. Every, this is what I mean. Uh, let me open that up for you guys a little bit. Um, we're honoring the family service. Of course, our most sacred stakeholders are the, you know, those that never came home. Mm-hmm. But this provides an opportunity to honor everyone that came home because if war touches you, it's, it's with you, man. And we still have brothers and sisters that are losing their to their losing their fight to their war at home two days ago a fellow green beret a friend of mine a guy named major darren baldwin uh was laid to rest in fayetteville north carolina darren and i served in special warfare center uh and and we were both medically retired for the same thing multiple brain injuries um 
It, it um, it, it, I remember him, we, we were being medic, we were going through the same meetings, like, hey, you're getting med boarded, you know. Uh, I'm a little older than the gentleman, but uh, both medically retired. He lost his, he won his war. I don't, I want to honor what his, his wife says. He won his war. And we buried him two days ago for wounds he received 15 years ago. Wow. There's one example, you know. Here's something else to pe- let's talk about a little bit more. Um, let's talk about service in the war on terror. If you look at the statistics, the numbers that exist, you know, I'm not making this up. During Desert Storm, the number of uniformed service members to non-uniformed service members on the battlefield was 50 to 1, right? You know, we, 50 to 1. Today, that number is 1 to 1. There's a reason it only takes 1%. That's an additional reason it only takes 1% of this nation to wear the uniform to affect to 99% because we have... Americans fulfilling wartime missions that were one time filled by an individual in uniform. Call it what you want. Call it diversification of service. We're fighting war like we've never fought it before. We truly are. You know, on my last deployment, we had uh, um, FBI guys and some other agencies attached to to my special forces detachment. Went on hits, did everything that we did. You know, uh, I'm fortunate one of them's uh, an ambassador for the foundation now, Gunner. You know, I stayed in touch with him. Uh, he was an FBI guy. You know, they had their jobs, but guess what? He was in the trucks. I remember doing the task work for our missions, and, you know, and I have, you know, our team. Then I, where am I going to put FBI 1 and FBI 2? All right, man, you're on this truck. This is your job. This is your role. This is what you're going to do until site's secure, and then you go do your job, you know? So we're recognizing everyone that served because uh, Department of Labor put out a report, man, to say a few years ago, I don't want to mess the years up, 2016, 2016, 2017, um, they were doing the, to the best the best they could because they're the only ones that monitor deaths outside of the country, right? Okay, how did that, how did that person die? Um, to their best guess, the number of non-uniformed service personnel that have lost their lives in the global war on terrorism, and this, this is a staggering number, it's 3,400. Almost half of the KIAs in uniform. I didn't make that number up. Mm-hmm. This department never put that out. We're running everyone's service, the diversification of service. You know, so that's another, you know, like I said, I'll open it up for you to understand everyone look at, like we're honoring everybody's service, service on the home front, service everybody that do, is doing it. And again, that's never been done before. If you look at, you walk along the, the, the reserve in Washington, D.C., you see memorials, but then you see a memorial to a memorial. Like the women in service in Vietnam, correct? Yep. Right, we see that. Just two years ago, one of the commissions that oversees these memorials authorized the building of an additional memorial to World War II called Recognizing the Service on the Home Front. So now we've got to build another memorial. And I think it's great. You know, I think it's awesome they did that. But why not capture it all once? Let's build That's one true. memorial to do that, to follow the tenets that we do have. So we have four tenets, honor honor everyone's service, heal, heal as a nation, their, their, their relationships and, and, uh, that need to be healed uh, top to bottom, any, anything you can think of, heal as a nation, empower. Let's talk about it like we're doing right now, right? Give, give, give the veterans, give these veterans and families an opportunity to talk about that with this memorial. Empower and unite. That's our fourth tenet. Honor, heal, empower, unite. Unite us as a nation. Why not do that in the capturing of a national war memorial? 
There it's you very go. powerful. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, are you guys, if you got to cut me off, just say, hey, stop talking. No, Let me no, jump in here. I'm in uh, like in a trance. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely passionate about we just this. Put it, we just pave the road and get out of the way. <laughs> let, you, let you drive this thing. So what is there a timeline for this? <sighs> yes, kind of. Um, so we, yeah, our best guess, you know, because now, so we passed the bill. Now we can build in the reserve. So now we got to find a site. Once we get a site, um, we have to work with these commissions that exist. You know, it's part of the process. We respect the process. We're going to follow the process. We're going to follow the playbook. Um, our best guess, we're hoping to be dedic dedication within the next four to six years. You know, wow. uh, I'm, I'm running at this full steam like I have since I've been involved. If we get it done sooner, great. I would love to come back and be like, hey, it's next year. Um, but, you know, from shovel and dirt to dedication, you're looking at. That's probably one thing I can give a, a pretty solid timeline on because that's just project and you know they, they our architects understand that um is 18 18 to 24 months uh from you know groundbreaking to dedication that's that's one thing i'm pretty that's the only thing i'm saying yeah it'll take us two months once we start or two years once we start plus or minus um that's about it but we're really hoping you know projecting right now uh four to six months you know okay. or four to six years excuse me nice Nice. I was gonna say, wow, we just went real. I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah words sometimes, um, you know, I mess exciting. that up. That's incredibly exciting. Um, I'm thrilled that like I will be alive to see it dedicated. You know, I, I just that to me is incredibly powerful. It is, and it's it's yours. It's as much yours as it is yours as it is mine. It's it's ours. You know, I yes, I'm the president, CEO of the foundation, but I work for you guys. You know, we have always wanted to hear what everyone has to say and input. And obviously, we have to make decisions, you know, and have to go in, in a certain strategic direction to see it fulfilled the right way. But, you know, we've listened. We've, we have done our homework. We've seen how everyone else has done it. We understand the process. We have our own culture that we have, you know, incorporated within the foundation, our own foundation culture, just like every platoon has its own culture every unit has its own culture you know every every squadron has its own culture well this is ours and we're going to listen we're going to take the time to listen you know we've exhibited that and we're going to adhere to that you know because this is a charge we do not take lightly um it's it's sacred and we'll fulfill that duty so you were discharged with a 20 percent disability rating but now you can't hear so well and need help contact an american legion service officer Service officers are free of charge and they help all veterans. Find one near you with our online tool at legion.org forward slash service officers. All right, we are back and we have just relived that interview. Uh, Ashley, do you have a quick takeaway from that? I would say my quick takeaway is that is an incredible, impressive feat. Uh, this was started in 2015, founded, and the fact that we're already to a point in less than a decade of ensuring that we have a, a, a place where all, all folks who have served in this forever war, this 20-year war, will now have some place to, to bring their children and to remember all those that, all the, the values, virtues, and those that unfortunately have been lost during this time and what our again country stands for so very impressive interview rod is an incre incredible man incredible man very humble um but there's there's a lot of wisdom from him and i hope our our folks can take something away from that yep and i just love that uh he's getting this done and as a 
someone who knows somebody who was a former skeptic of the timing. Uh, I think he handles that objection really well. I, I appreciate good objection handling, especially when someone has to navigate, you know, the, all of the agencies and legislators and and everything that you have to go through to get this done. You're going to run into, uh, you are going to run into stumbling blocks and. I'm sure the person I'm talking about was the least of his worries. So uh, I appreciate how he handled that. And now our favorite part of the show, rapid fire. Okay, we're gonna do a quick little rapid fire. Uh, Ashley, I'm gonna throw some stuff at you and then I want you to give me your first take on it. Uh, I don't know if you have read it, but if you have already, pretend like you haven't. Okay, rapid fire number one, the Legacy Scholarship 2022 application open for military children of the fallen and disabled. The American Legion Legacy Scholarship 2022 applications are online. The scholarship is available to children whose parents lost their lives while honorably serving our active military duty on or after 9-11, as well as the children of post 9-11 veterans with a combined VA disability rating of 50% or higher. The parents, obviously not the children. Those, those uh, children are eligible to apply for the American Legion Legacy Scholarship. Hot take, Ashley. Apply for scholarships, folks. There are a plethora of opportunities that the American Legion puts in place for you. So scholarships being one of them to go back to school in conjoint use with your GI Bill or whatever state you may reside, check out those state benefits. There are so many things that you need to know, but in this case, apply to the Legacy Scholarship if able. And, and they, they never mention the word member. So I think this, any veteran, uh, and, uh, and I read the whole thing and it never said member. So anybody who's uh, qualified and eligible child of a veteran, uh, please make your way to the interwebs and uh, sign up. All right, ready for rapid fire number two? I'm not gonna do this in a Norwegian accent, though I really, really want to, but I'm not really sure how to do that. Norway is making troops turn in used underwear to issue to new recruits. The Norwegian military said Monday that the new policy reflects a supply shortage caused at least in part by the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the Associated Press. The Norwegian Defense Logistics Organization said that because of dwindling stockpiles, this move is necessary as it provides the armed forces with greater garment volumes available for new soldiers starting their initial service. Ashley, hot take. Ew, what? That's so weird. Those are the things that like, even when I was in training, when we had to turn in all my gear, they were like, no, you keep those soldier. You keep those. We don't want those. Like, I'll tell you what. No, no. I tell you what, I want my ammunition in its own magazine, fresh, clean, only used by me. That's all I'm saying on that. <laughs> okay. Add that, that. Moving on to rapid fire, rapid fire number three. Ooh. All right. Rapid Ooh. fire number three. Are you ready? I think so. Co-pays for veterans mental health care would be waived under new rules. This comes to the military times. Veterans affairs officials want to drop copay expenses for veterans facing mental health challenges as a way to encourage more individuals to seek help when facing suicidal thoughts. In a statement, VA Secretary Dennis McDonough said the move is part of a broader suicide prevention and health care outreach effort by the department. Ashley, hot take uh yes yes like let's 
let's help people get access to the resources and reduce stigma help like go. just just yeah obliterate the stigma like and plus healthcare is so expensive and our va healthcare shouldn't be have we shouldn't be having those issues so right, the, the copay right now is goes between 15 and 50 dollars. so that mm -hmm. could be a big deterrent for some people if you're going to pay 50 dollars a session yeah yeah and so you I'm, say you I'm, need multiple sessions or like you just need to yeah for sure because to, to me, the, the, the philosophy here is VA has a medical component, right? That is for if you qualify for it. I believe that our suicide issue is beyond just medical, and it's something that they need to do for all veterans, not just those who qualify for health care. Because the Veterans Administration or Veterans Affairs is not just about uh, it's not just about those who qualify for for their health care. It's about protection of all veterans. So I think this goes a big step because this is uh, our biggest headline kind of issue right now. So Ashley, thank you for those hot takes. I got a you and I got a yes. I mean, it doesn't get more hot takery than that. <laughs> so just like, so it, right now it's just us two. And we, we may want someone to help us on our flank. I think you have some thoughts on that with a guest appearance. Or the words. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing there. Okay. <laughs> Woo. I was like, wait a minute. Was there another rapid fire that I didn't read? <laughs> I'm just playing. So, right. so we are doubling down on guest appearances in season three and we want to know who you want to hear from so if you have any guest recommendations go to go to legion.org backslash tango alpha lima and click on suggest a guest link do they have to only suggest other people they can suggest themselves they can suggest oh. themselves i yeah. would i would i would write what you want to talk about and things like that uh yeah, and while sure. you're on while you're there on the interwebs, why don't you remember to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Leaping Podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Also, uh, what do you think they should do with the review? Uh, they should leave us a review and give us a big five-star rating so the not world knows how much you love us. Not a four-star. You, know, you can always no. do better. Give us all five stars, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with that, let us declare season three, episode 88, mission complete.